This is the UK House Builder and Developer from Good to Great series with Gerard Ball, Managing Director of Human Capital Group, helping you build your UK house building teams and businesses fast. We find the top 15% of talent in the market by harnessing the power of big data, 24-7, 365 digital automation platforms and inbound strategies. Leveraged by 20 years successful mid to senior level recruitment experience. In this episode of Human Capital Group's From Good to Great podcast series, Gerard is joined by Managing Director of Antler Homes, Andrew Rinaldi. In June 2018, Andrew was part of a team backed by Investors Literacy Capital PLC and including now non-executive director Dane Houlihan that acquired the SME house builder. Antler Homes has built a reputation over four decades under previous owners Rockmount Capital of providing high-quality family homes. Here, Andrew reflects on his experience of moving from the financial sector into house building. He explains why he chose to do this through a business acquisition, how he managed to secure funding for the deal, and gives us an insight of what the future looks like. Thank you very much for your time and meeting up with me. Thank um, you. Andrew. Well, you know, we've known each other now for, for a couple of years on, on and off, so it's a pleasure to finally put a face to the, <laughs> Likewise. To the voice. Okay. Let's just start off with really understanding Antler Homes and, and where you are as a business. So Antler Homes, you know, is, is a very old company. It's got a 40-year legacy, very design-led, right. based on, you know, principles of, 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 of high-quality, high-end design. If you dial back 10 years ago, it was a national builder, you know, yeah. six offices, 300 to 400 units a year mm. for a variety of reasons. The old owner gradually started closing down a lot of the regional offices. And I think that was you know, partly due to the mark, some, some of the changes in the market and partly due to him wanting to right. be a little less involved. Um, it's consolidated in, into one office here and in recent years um, has been very focused on sort of high-end garden assembly, you know, quite mm. bespoke, quite, you know, frankly, beautiful homes, Absolutely. but quite pricey and it's, you know, it's become mm. quite a tough market to be in. It was it was kind of the, the Antler Homes, which I I knew when we first came into the marketplace, was big one-off units. And now you've kind of shifted over the last, is it last 18 months or something? Uh, that's exactly right. So that, that shift started before we got involved, but we very much support that shift. And again, it's market-driven, as you know, with stamp duty, etc. The the sort of million pound plus market out in the, in the areas we're in is a very, very difficult market. So we're very pleased with the change that the company's undergone, and, and we support that a little bit further, trying to keep it sort of more in help to buy territory. So if we, you know, historically, you might have seen average sales prices closer to a million, we'd like to see it in the sort of 500s world. Right, okay. Um, and again, that first step has been done, and we're trying to take it a step further. And the, the geography of the company is, is you, you have touched on it, you know, you were a, a national company at one stage, you you've pulled back just to the back shop. Yes, yeah, so, right? so that this is the only office. Um, we are generally working within an hour of here. We're trying to okay. focus on sort of London commuter belt locations. So Hampshire, Berkshire, Surrey, a few bits of Sussex, a few bits of Kent. Okay. And it's a brand new management team and owners. It's a brand new ownership team. Right. Um, I, I'm really the only brand new addition to the management team. I think there's quite a good team here already and we're trying to just obviously preserve that and build on it. All right. Well, look, you've got a really interesting background 
before you go into the property. And I, I just want to understand how you came into the property market because you, you sure. weren't always in the UK house building market. Place, Absolutely. You? Yeah. I've been all over the place. Yeah, exactly. So sadly, it's somewhat of a recurring theme in house building these days. I'm a finance guy by background, trained as a chartered accountant, worked all over the world with one of the big six firms, ended up in New York, then thought that was getting stale and became a banker. <laughs> worked, for, worked for Bank of America for five years, and when that got a bit boring, they asked me to move over to to Europe and try and build their brand in Europe, right, which was okay. a, which was a real challenge and a mm. lot of fun. Then after the Bank of America Merrill Lynch merger, we went from sort of an upstart in Europe that we were you know, building and growing something, which was a lot of fun, to being a very big and successful company. Right. And it was for me just not that much fun anymore. And I'd done a bit of work in the in the property area, and Taylor Wimpy were looking for someone to sort of help them up and out in their final throes of their restructuring. So if you right. if you recall, the Wimpy Woodrow merger was done at a, a very inopportune time in two thousand and seven, and and they had a lot of a lot of issues <laughs> thereafter. Mm. Um, and Pete Redfern and the team had done a, an, an outstanding job in sort of making the tough decisions and, and rebuilding the company. I got hired as, as sort of the final steps of that to work as corporate development director for Pete. Right, okay. Um, and my initial goal was to sell the North American business. So they had a business in, in the US and Canada. It was a fantastic right. business. I did. But I, I, you so didn't I know did, that. I did, I did, I so did, you've learned something today. Yeah. That's good. No, I know I've got uh, an office in Spain. Yeah. I didn't know they had yeah. so they, they So they had a, a US business which was based in, if you dial back to 2009, 2010, right. when the property market, particularly in the US, were, were terrible, you name a state, they were there. So your Arizonas, your, your Nevadas, your Californias. Oh, really? You know, really tough, tough markets at the time. Yeah. Florida, that was a pretty bad market. Right. Um, so they had, they had this business in the US, which was a fantastic business, but just the wrong time. Um, and they also had a very good business in Canada called, um, so that Taylor Morrison in, in the US and Monarch Homes in Canada. Right. Okay. Um, so what the team had decided pretty much before I got involved, and then when I got involved, I very much endorsed it, was to shore up the UK business, which at that time was quite heavily indebted. And, mm. you know, the banks were sort of running the business if we sold the North American business, channel the proceeds back into the UK business, right, okay. we could reposition the business as you know a very strong company and then take advantage of the market opportunities that were around at the time. So we spent about a year selling the North American business, which sounds like a long time, mm. but it actually isn't. It had a fantastic management team, so it almost right. sold itself. Okay. And we had a lot of interest and ended up selling it to three private equity firms for uh, – just short of a of a billion US dollars, yeah, so about right. six hundred hundred million uh, pounds. So that was sort of late two thousand and ten, and brought that back into the UK business, and um, and went from there. Okay. So that was a big part of sort of putting Taylor Wimpy back on back on track. How did you had so so you joined you joined Taylor Wimpy? You you, you managed the, the sale of the, the North American asset. How did your role then evolve within Taylor Wimpy? Yeah, so in addition to that, I'd done a few other small acquisitions, more sort of at the regional level. Um, we spoke earlier about a business that we bought out of Ryden, um, right. which was you know, basically a land portfolio in the southeast, which was great because it gave me a lot of exposure to our business there. And then I worked with our, our CEO and our management team post-sale of the North American business to do a, a sort of root and branch strategy review. Right. So we went through sort of every aspect of the business and, and you know, as a team, define you know what was working what wasn't working and what did we want to be 
because now that we were recapitalized and ready to go, we could we could reorient the company for growth. So that was massively exciting. So we did that, and then we and then we rolled that out to every business unit that TW had, rolled it out to the marketplace, you know, etc. So it was it was very well received. The market's response was, we love the strategy. Now it's all about delivery, and the good news is. You know, eight years on, I think they've largely delivered. Um, <laughs> and then for me, it was time then to look on to something, something new. Mm. And one of the things I agreed with the decision. Just, be, just, be, just before we, we, we go into that, I'm, I'm just curious. You worked for large corporate investment banks beforehand, top, top six prior to that. What was the culture like in house building compared to corporate America, you know, corporate finance? So I started at corporate TW, then moved into sort of the regions and, and actually – it's different, but not massively different. You know, the same people have the same drivers. You know, when I started at TW, I was incredibly impressed with the quality of the people. You know, they, it was very organised, good people, very driven, uh, and frankly, great to work with. And then when you get into the business units, they had 26 business units at the time, which are all sort of regional, you know, 60 to 100 people, you yeah. know, proper little businesses that are managed in essentially as, in many ways, as independent businesses. And you've got people that are all very driven for their business <laughs> to succeed. And, and that was quite inspirational, actually, to see how much passion people in those businesses had for their business. Um, and I found that very exciting. So again, in terms of making that transition, it's a very different world, but mm. there's, there's the same drivers and the quality was high. So then you've performed the, the TWPLC group position. Then what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about your, your next steps are? before? Because then you kind of go into the the regional business units. Yeah, and that and that was something that I'd always agreed with TW we were going to do. And so that was sort of opportunity-driven where there was a need. They almost plugged me into wherever. I get shipped out to Exeter in the beginning and I was uh, <laughs> I was I was land and planning director there. The oh, business okay. itself was going very well. So I was out there and, and for an interim period there, I also covered sort of MD role for the Cornish part of the business just to help our MD mm. out. And did that for about eight months, and that was, uh, you know, a great role. And then right. I came back into London and was initially uh, technical director, but then we lost our construction director, so I took that over oh, as really? well. So I found myself running design and build teams, building 10 to 15-storey uh, right. residential buildings in central London, which was, yeah. uh, you know, an amazing experience, and I did that for sort of one to two years. That type of environment must be quite a bit different from the, the corporate type of environment, working for a, a regional within a, a discipline position. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But it was still, again, you, you had high-quality people that were very motivated, worked very hard, very driven, so it's still right. very good. So you've had, you've, you really have worked in each of the different disciplines within a... Not, not quite. I've not worked in sales and marketing. Okay. No one let me near that for some reason. <laughs> Um, Fair enough. But you've had really diverse background before with regards to, I'm assuming, finance and accounts and P&Ls. Yeah, yeah. So really on, on the finance side, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. And then on, on the on the build side, I've had you know good exposure, enough to be dangerous on the build and technical side and then on the land and planning side. So then, you know, you're, you're working with Taylor Wimper. You were with the business for Quite a number of years. How, how yes, eight years all in all. Eight years at Taylor Wimpy. What was your last position in Taylor Wimpy? So, so the last position, I was down in Hampshire, initially a sort of a projects role, which was sort of a right-hand man to the MD, doing various, uh, many sort of restructuring things, um, then took on the land and planning role. And then I moved back up to work with our CEO on a, 
on, on strategy stuff. Right. So I spent sort of four to six months working with him on, on some new product ideas and, and, and things like that. And then I remember looking at my, whether it was my email or my researcher passed it to me and we, we had a particular position we were looking for and I saw that you were managing director of Antler. And, and you thought, how on earth did this happen? <laughs> how, did that happen? how did that happen? I thought you were TW for, uh, for, for life, to be fair. Um, yeah, no, and look, TW was just an amazing experience. You know, I learned so much and had so many great opportunities. Now, it's a mature business yeah, with a lot yeah. of opportunity, but for me, it, probably the challenge was was not there in the way it was in the beginning, and that was sort of what got me really excited. So I, I got together with a with a colleague who I'd worked with on the advisory side, who'd worked with us on the advisory side, and, and we were sort of putting our heads together to see yeah. what we could do that might be interesting and in our sector and we we kicked around the idea of of starting something from scratch and quickly realized that was way too hard and then started talking to a few sme companies that we knew could be potentially up for sale um, and had a had a a meeting with with antler homes which sort of crystallized that as being Mm. our number one opportunity because i remember when i saw you as md i I didn't realize you were also part owner within the business and i was just like you know how how do you go from a position at tw to you know, really starting up and running your own business. It's a, you know, it's a big step. Yeah, no, it's, it's a huge step and it's, it's, it's absolutely, you know, a, a whole lot of fun, but a whole lot of challenge and, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot to think about and, and be nervous about as well yeah. at the same time. I and mean, I think, you know, the excitement is certainly, is, is far more than the nervousness, but, mm. you know, we are essentially, it's a company with a great legacy and a great history, but it's been wound down to a very small business yeah. and now we're, you know, with the help of our investors and our team here, we're trying to build it back up again, which is which is really exciting. Let, let me just understand, because there, there might be other people listening to this who, who might want to do the, the same type of thing, or they might want to sell a company, who knows. But for you going out into the marketplace, from you going out into the marketplace, finding investment, and then, you know, really taking ownership of the company. And I appreciate this could be different for different companies because there's different obstacles. What was the kind of the, the, the time length that it took? It took about four to five months, and I would say that's we were probably a bit lucky on that. You know, mm. it, 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 I don't know whether you think that's a long period of time. For me, it's actually not that. No, long. I think it's quite um, quite short. <clears throat> so I, I think I think we were lucky because the right opportunity was there at the right time. So you know, it took a while to negotiate that deal. I think when we went around, so we built a business plan and then went around meeting various potential investors. Yeah. I think the segment of the market that we're in and the market as a whole in terms of the, the house building market, it gets people pretty excited. They see yeah. the opportunity. So when we were out running around talking to people, mm. it wasn't hard to get doors open and it wasn't hard to have meetings. So we had quite a lot of interest. And then obviously, you know, selecting the right party and, and them being willing to back us took a bit of time, but um, it was probably more my business partner's relationship there that got us. That's Dane. Got yeah. Dane, yeah, Dane Houlihan that got us into that one, and that was and that's been a great relationship today. And that's that's led by Literacy Literacy Capital. Capital. So Literacy Capital is a, a, a small private equity firm, and that's headed by a guy called Paul Pinder, who basically built Capita from a very small right. company to, to a, at the time a seven point five billion juggernaut that he took public as CEO, right, <laughs> uh, and then and then and then left to move on to other things. Uh, so he set up his own fund. Probably his most interesting thing that he's done in in addition to that is 
he's one of the founders of Purple Bricks and he's the chairman of Purple Bricks, oh, which really? is um, for us a, a really mm. nice story. It, it gives us a bit more credibility. The, you know, the brand we talked about offline, the brand name of Antler Holmes is a really strong one and gives yeah. us plenty of credibility, but having the backing of, of, of the man who founded Purple Bricks behind us also helps out a lot too. And his 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 input into the company and input into is he very hands on or no no at the moment he's quite hands off but right. there's been a couple of instances when we've needed a hand and right. he's dived in very quickly and very successfully so it, it, it's you know again it's very early days but it's been a it's been a terrific relationship to date and the homes then let's let's we've kind of talked about how we've got to this stage and you know. I've known Antler Homes for for a very long time. They've got a really good reputation in the marketplace. For, for the most part, they've, they've, they've always had a, a strong team and been able to attract strong people to to you as an organisation. Where are you? Where are you looking to take the brand? What What are the three and five year goals for sure. Antler Homes? So right now, we're we're trying to sort of reconsolidate the business. Mm. Um, you know, build the team get some new sites up and running. So at the moment, we're actually acquiring our first site today. We're completing on a, on a, on a site in Woodley, just outside well, of Reading. So that's an exciting day for us. <laughs> we've got another one that we're in legals in Farnham, and we've got two others that are at sort of head-to-term stage. So that's our, our sort of number one thing is to get to get up in the first year, we want to get four sites up and four new sites up and running right, um, okay. and then build the right infrastructure to the extent we don't have it around that. And then the sort of four to five year plan is to organically build up to sort of 200, 250 units a year. Right, so that's, okay. our, that's our growth aspiration. Now, you know, obviously that depends on where the market goes and mm. various other things. And, yeah. and, and there are also other ideas that we have, you know, around M&A and things like that, which could grow it even further. So the plan is we believe we've got a great team, we've got a great mm. brand name and, and leverage that and, and, you know, rebuild the business to a, you know, a much bigger but still retaining all the things that we think makes it great. And that's going to be a challenge as it gets bigger. Okay, so it's just yeah. really now adding some bit more meat. Yeah, yeah. To the bone. Yeah, so for the moment, we're, as, as talked about earlier, geography, we're going to stay in this sort of mm. general world. But once we sort of hit that, that target, let's say the 200-unit target, then we'll think about – you know, are there other areas that we might want to be in? Are there other products we might want to be involved in? In terms of how how you plan yourself, in the back of your head, do you have a, like a, a big picture, a, a hallelujah moment? Oh, there's an hallelujah moment, and that's you know, <laughs> antler antler being you know 500 units plus and potentially yeah. listed on one of the exchanges. You know, that that's that would be wonderful. You know, and and I and look, I do think it's achievable, but it's going to take head. some time. Yeah. Okay. And actually, it's also doing lots of interesting things with Antler, being like nimble and responding to changes. You know, mm. we talked about the market earlier. You know, what happens if there's a change of government? What happens if help to buy goes away? What are we going to do and how are we going to be ahead of the curve? You know, that that's what I want to start thinking about. You know, we've talked about, you know, Ian Sutcliffe last week yeah. and what a great business partnerships is. You know, what, you know, if... The housing association model, it's such an interesting one. You know, mm. what else can we be doing to be involved in that? You know, things like that. Yeah, there's um, PR schemes and there's there's, there's all sorts. It's uh, and, and, and you know, just just on that as a you know as a, as a managing director, as a leader of a, a company, you know, I, I'm assuming well, I, I won't assume because I've been told not to, but you kind of see these obstacles coming up. You know, Brexit. Well, mm. who who knows? Is it pre-Brexit, post-Brexit? I you know, nobody knows. But are you somebody who's like, look, we we know the obstacles there, but whilst the market's good, we we've got to put our foot down as hard as we can or, or do you 
do you manage that differently? Well, I think at the moment, because we're small yeah. and, and we, you know, we're in growth mode, I think we're really more focused on growth. But we have to have an eye out there, you know, to mm. what is around the corner and, and be thinking about that. And again, for us, you know, if you took a, take a look at Brexit, you know, on, on its own, none of us know what Brexit's going to be, yeah. if it's going to be, and what it's going to mean for us. But we do have to be thinking that the world will change and it will evolve and um, have a view to what we might do if the world as we know it is different. And so we're very much thinking about that. But at the moment, it's not putting a break on our plans mm. because I think there's still enough enough room for growth in the regions we are yeah. and enough demand in the regions we are, even if they take a shock like Brexit, I think we'll be okay. And then to, to just, just finally, just to wrap it up, if you could give yourself advice when you – is there anything that you would you would have done – that you can talk about <laughs> that you would have done differently or is there anything that you did that you were like that was exactly what we that, that, that needed to happen no i mean there's a lot of things you can do differently but i think we got done what we wanted to do mostly the way we wanted to, to do it and so the things that i think were important to that you know, one is persistence. You know, we, we had numerous set falls along the way and you know, and everybody does, you know, yeah. and you've just got to pick yourself up and keep at it. Um, and I think it's talk to as many people as you can and take as much from that as you can because mm. you can never know enough about anything. And, mm. and, you know, in our process we talk to, you know, tons of people, you know, some because we needed, you know, we want to talk to them about money or about land, about yeah. people. And some just because they've been there before and done it, you know, and I won't name names, but there's people that you've probably met that spent time with us of their own time. And it was so valuable and it was great of them to give us that time. And it's just, we learned so much from those sort of people, which positioned us better, both for that process and Mm. for our next stage going forward. And, And as we move forward now, there are a couple of businesses that are, that are quite similar to us that are probably three to five years ahead of us. And there's mm. a couple that I know reasonably well, and it's, it's trying to leverage, you know, their yeah. learning, you know, meet, yeah. meet up with them and talk about, you know, where did they run into obstacles? And, you know, and that way when we come across them, you know, we know what to do. So I, I just think you can never, you can never learn enough. Using and, you your know, peers and sharing your Yeah, sharing and, your and, and like well. I said, people were incredibly helpful to us, and, yeah. uh, and I hope we can be the same. Andrew, congratulations on the, on the land deal and, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Discover how to build your UK house builder business and attract the top 15% of leadership talent using one-to-many platforms, automation and 24-7, 365 proven digital strategies before your competition. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts from the Good to Great series. Featuring leading voices from the UK house building industry, from small to medium businesses to leading PLCs. Don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content possible. For more information, call 0203 800 1080 or check out www.hc-group.co.uk and book a client or candidate blueprint strategy session.